Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode. I remember I asked a woman one time, how's your relationship going? And she went, it's good. There hasn't been a woman I've met yet that doesn't laugh with that statement because every woman on earth knows. Men might not know what that means. Oh, God, no. But women knows what that means. It's good. In that inflection, that's not good. Someone's no, wrong. I don't want to talk about it. Anna, exactly. <laughs> and so I found the same description applies to business owners at this level. How's your business? It's good. Because they know it's not what it could be. But they also, like you said, don't want to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, hello. And welcome to another week of Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. Um, this week, we are interviewing somebody called Jarek Robbins. So you might recognise his surname. His dad is Tony Robbins, but we didn't talk to him about that because, well, I guess everybody would talk to him about that and it's just boring, isn't it? And actually, um, he's got a lot of experience and is an interesting guy in his own right. He was, we interviewed him um, in a cold, miserable October evening in the UK whilst he was in uh, Puerto Rico and it was kind of lunchtime for him and he said it was 80 degrees and sunny, so that made us pretty jealous, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and we asked him the time, dead on angel time, didn't we? He was like, oh, <laughs> angel time. He also uh, gave us an insight in how he decides who to work with and the importance of mindset and how you can work out who are going to be the success stories based on how they think about things. And so that was really interesting to me. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Hello, how are you today? Very well, and yourselves? Yeah, really well. Yeah. So you're in Puerto Rico. So it's like six in the evening for us. What sort of time is it for you there? Oh my gosh, it is a magical time. It is 1.11 p.m. The only other best time would be 11.11, which I hear Angel oh. sing. But 1.11 is, is a strong starting point. We at least got three ones in there. Excellent. And what's the weather like for you at this time of year? Uh, it's 88 degrees and sunny right now. So do you want to tell us a little bit about you, your business, what what the main thing is that you help people with as business people with? Sure. So I work with business professionals. Um, the, the mission underneath it is just to reach the people that need it most at the moment they need it with the message they need. And I always say, I don't know who they are, where they are, what they're up to, but every day we push out good thoughts and hopes to find them at the exact moment they need it most. And We've been honored and privileged that every single day we get little notes from around the world, either on YouTube or, or Instagram or Facebook or somewhere uh, that just says, you know, thank you. I needed that. And it, as, as simple as that is, it, it, it's us knowing we're doing what we're supposed to be doing because we're reaching people exactly when they needed it. Uh, the most extreme version of that, I remember getting a handwritten letter from a, a, a service, an airman who'd been in the Air Force for us. She had been deployed overseas. She came back, had horrible PTSD. And in the letter, she wrote, Mr. Robbins, I had horrible. I came back from a deployment. I had horrible PTSD. Uh, for the last week, I've had my firearm in my mouth wanting to pull the trigger every night. Um, someone gave me a copy of your book. I read it, and I just wanted to say thank you for reminding me of my reason why I wanted to keep on living. Wow. It now, doesn't get better than that, does it? No. I mean, that that is the ultimate business success in my eyes is we put together a, a vehicle, a message in a vehicle called a book we release that into the world and somehow, some way, that book was guided into her hands at the moment she needed it most as just a little reminder of why yeah. she wanted to keep on living. Yeah. And what book was that? Um, that was our, our book, Live It. it, it it's just a, a really simple reflection of a 10-year period of my life when I was trying to figure things out. And, and it, it's helpful. It's helpful in gaps. When people hit moments where they're not quite sure what to do next, that's a great reference guide. And, and it, it, there's some fun stories in there. Um, there's a little bit of pseudoscience, stuff that just worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then there's yeah. hard fact science as well, of stuff that's actually viable and, and verifiable and in a science background and testable and, and proven. So, Jarrett, you coach people on a one-to-one -one basis, and you were saying before we started recording this that often people come to you for a business reason, and then when you start speaking to them, there are other things going on in their life that are creating some kind of block, and there's generally more to it than just that business problem they're talking to you about. Yeah, usually... There, there's something, speaking of posts, I ran across something this morning that was interesting. It said five minutes after your birth, someone decides your name, nationality, religion, sect, and you spend the rest of your life defending something you never chose. 
And I thought about it. And, and so a lot of the source of those challenges that we uncover, people come to us saying, hey, I want to grow my business. And I always ask, like, do you want to grow your business? Really? You want more legal paperwork? You want more headaches? You want more pain in the butt clients? You, and they're like, no, 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 I don't want any of those. I'm like, well, what do you really want? They're like, well, I want more revenue or turnover. I, I want more profit and I want more free days. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, four hour work week. That's usually not how it's correlated. You're going to have to work a little more and then free it up. And so we've built systems of how to do that, which attracts people to come and work with us. And, and we're very successful at that. We've helped people scale. We've helped people go from, you know, making 40,000 a month net income to within a year and a half working together, they're making 200 to $300,000 a month net income, which is a On any industry or do you specialize? Um, so there's a few that we're no good at. <laughs> we're like, not our industry. No, thank you. Um, but then there's a handful we're good at. And we have clients ranging from uh, large uh, industrial equipment sales. So they sell like big rock crushing hammers for quarries and mining. Uh, we have clients who are coaches and, and, you know, personal development people. We have clients who build custom homes and are architects. We have clients who are realist in the real estate agents where they sell or buy homes. We have real estate investors. We have multifamily investors. So we, we have a portfolio of clients of all different types that this works with. Um, there are a few, it just doesn't work. And, and some of the time, it, it's just not the right fit. And it's usually more to do with psychology hmm. and stage of business. Um, if I were to describe it, like the, the, we work with startups when they have what we, we term early success. So yes. if you think of lead revenue, so lead, leads conversion, lead acquisition, I always say it's kind of like a leaky faucet in the beginning where you keep turning the handle and it just randomly drips and you never know when it's going to drip and you can't shut it off, but you also mm -hmm. can't turn it on. <laughs> yeah. It is we know that. <laughs> all of your leads. <laughs> yeah. You're just praying every day and Oh shoot, one signed up. Oh wow. It's yeah. amazing. Um, and, and, or a raging river. Like I always imagine those big dams where they hold the water back and like a little, little person in a hard hat walks up and pulls the lever and the dam opens and just whoosh comes flying through and then they pull it again and the dam closes. There's like two more drops and then it's shut. And yeah. I was like, you have complete control over your river of leads. And if, if you have complete control, like you pull the lever, they come flooding in, you pull it, they shut. I did this the other day. I'm full with clients right now, but I was testing a couple marketing tactics. I put up one post and got 27 applications within 24 hours. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm but I don't have Worth time it. for all these people right now. <laughs> like, yeah. Thank you for so the invitation. Busy. <laughs> yeah. Do you find working with all these different businesses that there is some common ground on things that they should be doing, aren't doing, what have you? 100%. And yeah. so the, the first part we look at is how do we get a momentum from you know trying to survive to actually being successful? And successful in business terms is usually meaning you're full. Yeah. And so we have to work on lead acquisition, lead conversion. You know, we had a problem like this in one of our companies that we own where we went and invested $10,000 in marketing one month. We brought in 150 applications and we had four people sign up. Wow. And, I went, oh. <laughs> and I was like, lead acquisition was great. We had 150 yeah. applications. The problem is lead conversion. We only had four. That's not yeah. a good percentage at all. And so we went back and went, ah, oh, our problem isn't lead acquisition anymore. Now our client, our problem is lead conversion. How well can we find the right lead source and convert them into actual happy, thrilled clients who are thrilled to work here? And then once we get those going, the next thing that honestly chokes a business to death is trying to eat too much at once. I don't know if you've ever seen this in the companies you guys work with where uh, I, it's a horrible example, but it's really funny. If you ever want to see this, Google hot dog eating competition. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> there is a human who can eat, I don't know, like 100 hot dogs in five minutes or something, oh, wow. <laughs> including the bread. Wow. It's not a good idea, but there's a lot of businesses who try this approach with new clients. Yeah. I'm just going to, how many, you know, what's your max capacity is what we ask. And they say unlimited. 
I'm like, okay, that's gross. You're going to throw up at some point and it's going to hurt some clients and it's going to really do bad business. And I always look at, you know, Apple computers. They're considered a, a trillion dollar company in valuation. Even they have a max capacity. Hmm. Like when they hit max capacity, their website goes down and, and the user experience falls. And so yeah. if a trillion dollar company has a max capacity, so does all of ours. Yeah. Most people honestly just don't know what theirs is. I found that out in my first year in coaching. My whole goal was reach as many people as possible, which sounds good, but that's a horrible goal when you're starting. Um, and, and so I, I signed up 52 one-on-one -on -one coaching clients in my first eight months. So I had 52 one-on-one -on -one clients, which means I was working from 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. seven days a week, which was great for helping people and horrific for lifestyle or actually running an intelligent business. And not sustainable. How no. long can you do that for? It was horrible. It was a bad mm -hmm. idea. And, and, and so I was breaking records in growth. But the problem is, that's what I said, I, that's not what I was necessarily looking for. My, my ability to make a positive impact was starting to go down because I had too many clients. I couldn't yeah. be as impactful. I couldn't be as helpful. The mm -hmm. way to think of that is if you were going in for brain surgery, how many people would you want your surgeon to have to do brain surgery on today prior to working with you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm no. hoping I'm the first and only. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I don't want to be number 124 of the day. No. And you become resentful of your clients who are actually paying you money and wanting your help. And you just turn up resenting them, don't you? Well, you just can't help them as well. No. I mean, you're, you're a brain surgeon who starts to get the shakes because your sugar's low and you haven't eaten. That's yeah. a bad idea. You don't want to try to operate on, on like every little movement matters and you're shaking because you're hungry and you haven't eaten or taken care of yourself. And yeah. so a lot of business owners do this and I've seen it in every type of industry. And so we try to figure out lead acquisition, lead conversion, really get those two mastered and then figure out what is the max capacity as a single, you know, business or individual or entity, the way it's set up now. Meaning with your people, your processes, your organization, what's your max capacity? And, and how do you charge accordingly to still hit your goals while being max capacity? If you want to grow beyond that, now we have to go to a different lever. And this is where we work on profitability. Um, and profitability, to, for in, in my understanding of business and everything I've seen, comes down to your team. I, I, I use American basketball, just I know they have European basketball too, but I use basketball as, as kind of a thought process. Um, a lot of people, what I've seen is when you say, hey, where did you source these people on your team? I hear stuff like a pickup basketball game, meaning I walked down the street and I saw a few people who looked like they could play. And I said, hey, do you want to play the game with me? And I'm like, that's fun. Do you keep score? And they're like, well, not really. I mean, we just kind of shoot around and have fun. Mm. I was like, yeah. that's cool for pickup basketball. Not a good idea in running a business. Yeah. And a lot of people run businesses like that. And I said, what's the extreme opposite? And I looked at the, the National Basketball Association, the NBA here. And I said, well, how do, you know, footballers or basketball people, how do they pick athletes? <laughs> Do they just go to their local community and say, okay, whoever lives in Manchester, uh, <laughs> we're going to see who the best, uh, the goalie we, is. We actually live in the, we, our team is Leicester Riders. So ah. I don't know they are the best team in the UK. So there although basketball is not huge here, in this city, we have the best basketball team. So yeah, you're right. Well, but the concept, you know, I, I realized Manchester United didn't kind of rub the UK the wrong way with an American owner at some point. So I heard they, they got booed when they entered their own stadium. <laughs> but depending <laughs> on the team, if they were going to go find a forward or find a, a you know a goalie or, or one of these people, they don't put up a local ad in their community and say, hey, anyone within 20 miles, can you block balls really well in the goalie here? Or are you tall enough to be a center on the basketball team? Yeah. <laughs> like hmm. they do a national global search. They look for the best player on earth to do that role. Yeah. And whenever yeah. I've talked about this to a small business owner, they're like, I can't afford them. Mm. Well, watch this. If you had the Michael Jordan of sales doing sales for you, what would dynamically happen to your business? Like, could you afford them if they were producing those kind of results? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? It's very chicken and egg, I guess. It messes with your head. Yeah. Because it causes them to have to expand the frame of reference that they were thinking in. That's why I said mindset is one of the things that causes someone not to be a good fit for us. Because someone who looks at that and goes, 
well, I have a cake business in the UK. How in the world do I get Michael Jordan to come sell my cakes? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have the best cakes in the UK? I actually helped the lady who in the beginning of the pandemic, we were doing a, an SOS course. And there was a lady who makes specialty cakes in the UK who had moved out to the countryside in a little tiny kind of village or, or, or small town. And she says, I can't, she sells specialty wedding and event cakes. Oh, She's yeah. like, my business is dramatically down right now, obviously. And I live in a little tiny town instead of the big city and no one here can afford to even buy a cake. And I could sell small versions, but I mean, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. And mm -hmm. I just asked her a question that dynamically changed the way she looked at her own business. You know, going back to max capacity, I just asked her, I said, what if every person who ever bought from you, because she was so mm -hmm. concerned with how do I get more clients? Mm -hmm. I said, well, how many clients have you ever had in business? She was like, I don't know. And I said, just guess. If you had to just guess, how many clients have you ever made a cake for or sold a cake to? Every wedding, every, every event, every, you know, corporate event, every time you've ever made a cake, how many? She goes, I don't know, probably thousands. I said, okay. What if every one of those people was still a monthly paying customer right now? What kind of situation would you be business-wise? She's like, I'd own a TV network. <laughs> She's like, I'm like, you'd be the Martha Stewart of cake making. She goes, oh no, disgusting. And she, she had someone much better. Yeah, just the, the wrong person for me to bring up. She had someone much better in cake making to, that she used as, a, as an example. Maybe a Jamie Oliver or she kept going. Mangella, yeah. Yeah. Go. She, she kept going up the list of these great talented people. And I said, oh. And I said, so the question wasn't, can I get more? The question is, why haven't I kept everyone that's ever tried me? And there's a slight adjustment to the business mm -hmm. model because she was so concerned with more instead of keeping the one she has. Yeah. And for most businesses, if every time, every client we've had, we kept them as an ongoing client, most of our business would be dynamically larger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, way cheaper and way easier. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a good job for them, of course. There's the key. Mm -hmm. What would make it insane to leave? How would you have to treat the people you have that it would be insane to go anywhere else for this service? Mm. And How actually, well would you have to take care of them? Yeah, by treating your customers so great they want to come back to you, that's what attracts the new ones as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so that piece of I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, lucky, and honored that I think 90% of my clients right now, I'm looking at my client list, are referrals. They're people who've been sent or brought by someone else to come and work with me who's still working with me. And, and so in that, I found a way for this small group of people to treat them so well and help them so much that they drag other people to come and work with me, which took away my need to go chase people down or try to convince them I'm a good idea. Mm -hmm. Someone else convinced them I'm a good idea based on how I took care of them. And the and conversion so, is a lot easier of those ones as well, isn't it? Of course. 100%. They're already there, ready to, to work with you because somebody else told them how great you are, not you. And so with that, you know, most companies, they have to define max capacity to have user experience that, that's just absolutely superb. And if you have a superb user experience that no one else can get close to, you'll get your max capacity and no one will ever want to leave. Yeah. And at that yeah. point, if you want to expand your max capacity, now it comes down to people, processes, and measurement. So can you train other people? Can you source people? Can you train them? And can you put the right systems in place? Someone told me one time with systems, it made me laugh. It's not how I think of people. So it was foreign to me, the concept of how they said this. But they said, can you create a system so simple for this that a decently intelligent person on their worst day couldn't screw it up? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I think so much better of humans yeah. than this human who was telling me this phrase. Yeah. I was like, I get what you're saying. I just don't think you think that highly of other human beings. <laughs> and obviously, um, there's a great quote. I think it's um, Steve Jobs, somebody like that anyway, that says, you know, if you need something doing, find a lazy person because they'll find an easy way to get it done. And so that's all about systems and processes being simple and straightforward, isn't it? Totally. And mm -hmm. so it's that exact thought. Can you create the right people with the right systems and the right measurements? It's the third piece, just like on max capacity, that's where a lot of businesses miss. The third piece, which is measurement, is where most people miss on this part. Hello, Anna here. Just interrupting this podcast to... Uh 
tell you all about a lovely review that we got um, a couple of weeks ago. So, Crazy Dancing Girl sent us this review. Uh, by the way, you can rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, when you do, you have an opportunity to win a book with us. So, it doesn't sound fantastic when I say it like that, but it's pretty cool because you get your name shouted out here and then you do get sent a book of whoever the guest is, whatever they recommend you get that book. So, Crazy Dancing Girl says... Anna and Anita present a relatable and realistic look at social media for your business. Fab guests and interesting stories. Listening to this will give you the latest insights without all the jargon that could overwhelm you elsewhere. Matter of fact and down to earth. Then she puts a pow emoji and a fire emoji. So I am actually doing the uh, actions to that, which is wasted on you guys at the podcast. They're anyway, cool emojis to be getting yeah. off people, especially Crazy Dancing Girl, which I can relate to myself. Definitely. So anyway, let's get back into the podcast. You've obviously done this for a number of years, worked with a load of different businesses for a long period of time. In light of, you know, we're talking about everybody being a bit snowflakey and overly sensitive and things like that. Have you noticed that you've got to change the way you coach people because they're kind of more ready to give up or more like, oh, everything's against me. How can I go and do that? Or have you not noticed a difference really? We're very specific in who we work with and we've learned how to calibrate this really well. I think when businesses start, they talk about the concept of their ideal client, the people they want to work with. Mm. And I, I gravitate to our best clients, the people we work best for. And so what I've learned is I measure client results and I watch who gets the best results from working with us. And then I go find more of those. Yeah. Regar- you know, it's, it's not what I started with of like, oh, here's who I want to work with. Here's my perfect person I'm going to work with. I'm like, no, no. I started with that because I didn't know who to work with in the beginning. Over time, I kept refining, refining, refining. And I went, oh my gosh, this is who I work with right here. And, when yeah. and that's based on that mindset box. and attitude more than business and stage of business or um, all of that. All of it comes into play. There's a psychological mm-hmm. element. We call, you know, I, I've used the, the book mindset. So it's a growth mindset. Um, and there's a difference. A, a fixed mindset says I'm born with a certain amount of intelligence. Uh, life is the way it is. If I'm not good at something, I quit and get out quickly. So no, like I just suck at this. So I'm not going to do it. A growth mindset says intelligence can be learned through effort and consistency. I can get better and I can master anything as long as I'm willing to keep trying. And so in investing, we we do some angel investing. One of the first things we do is test the founder for a growth mindset. If they don't have a growth mindset, we're not putting any money in the company. Mm. Um, And I learned that from a a friend of mine who's done angel investing longer than I have in, in, in San Francisco. And he's like, I just found out when someone has a fixed mindset, they get stuck. And if there's a barrier, it levels the whole company. And so the same thing, we do that in our clients. Can they, do they have a growth mindset? Are they open to always be growing and learning or are they stuck? And if they're stuck, we're not the right team for them. We'll send them somewhere else. Yeah. Interesting. And so we vet for mindset. We, We vet for stage of business. We call it early success is what we're looking for. I think there's three types of business coaching. Um, there, there's turnaround, like the plane is headed towards the ground and someone's going to run in the cockpit, grab onto the handles, yank back and see if they can right the plane before it crashes and get the company back up. We do not do that type of coaching. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the catching it before it goes up. There's building it coaching. Like it's on the ground. It hasn't started. We need to build this thing. We don't do that type of coaching either. Hmm. We do acceleration coaching. So we have something that's already moving. It's got traction. It's, it's, it's going and we can show people how to pick up the speed yeah. and we do it honestly by adjusting very little at a time. And I, this was one of my big mistakes in coaching people. Um, I used to get so excited when I'd have a chance to, to, to work with someone, they'd be like, well, what do you think about hiring? And I go, oh, hiring. Well, there's three books you need to read and then 14 chapters we're gonna go through together and, and five documents we're gonna vet through. And then I'm gonna teach you how to onboard someone over a 27 week onboarding plan. And their head goes mm. And I was like, wait a second. We actually need to simplify this because if it's already working, that means they're busy, they know what they're doing, and things are moving in the right direction. 
a young woman who has an online fitness business reached out to me recently and she goes, you know, I'm making about 100,000 a month right now uh, in, in revenue turnover. And I've been doing 50, 60 a month the rest of the year so far this year. I said, good work. And she says, but I really want to multiply the business and then sell it in a couple of years. And I said, I can 100% help you, 100% help with this. And she goes, really, what are we going to do? And I said, to be honest, we're going to add one new lead generation strategy. We're going to add one new lead conversion strategy. And then we're going to recalibrate to your max capacity and make sure we know what full is. And, and then we're going to find the people, process, and systems. If you want to sell a business, it's how consistent is the business without you? Because if there's, uh, if there's a, um, a risk on you're the magic, you can't sell it. Because yeah. no one's going to buy something if you're the magic of the business. So can we get the key man risk out of, or the key woman in risk in this case, out of the way? Can we make it something that's a machine that goes? And so on the machine, I always say people want free time. And what they want to do is elevate from an exhausted operator, you know, to an exhilarated owner. And yeah. I, I use boats as an example. And so I imagine a rowboat is where we all start when we get our business going. You know, we jump in the boat, we grab our oars, and the harder we paddle, the more we go. Yeah. And if you want to go 20 miles an hour or, or, or 20 kilometers an hour, like you just have to row really fast and hard. But to sustain, like in my business, when I started to sustain that momentum is unbelievably exhausting. Because mm. I have to row that hard every minute of every day, 24-7 to keep the thing going. If I stop, rowboats don't keep going. They stop when you stop rowing. <laughs> and then I said on the opposite end of that, um, well, a rowboat usually turns into a dragon boat, like those long Hawaiian boats with like 20 rowers. Mm -hmm. And the owner's job goes from rowing to yelling, row, 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 <laughs> keeping all their whole team rowing. And if they're not yelling row, no one rows. I've seen a lot of those businesses. If they're yeah. not there yelling row every morning, no one shows up and rows. They all just kind of sit there and stare yeah. at each other. Just as exhausting in its own way. Totally. It just gets your yeah. vocal cords instead of your arm muscles. Yeah. Um, eventually, there's a pontoon boat. These are my favorite. These are like party boats, the little, like the little square ones with the hot tub in the middle and like a little tiny engine on the back, those don't go far or fast, but they're super cozy. This is like early success for most businesses because you got a little engine, you got people, processes, and measurements. You can turn on your engine and go. And as you turn on your engine and go, it's super cozy. You can putter around the river and lake. It's super cozy. It makes you enough money to, to have a life that's pretty good. And everything about it is pretty good. Um, and then I was living in Miami for the last year before Puerto Rico and I looked out the window and I saw something that I went, wow, it's like a 65 foot fountain race boat with like seven engines on the back. I was, they call it a go fast boat. And I, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these, but it, maybe it's the guy inside of me, but I looked at that thing and was like, wow. <laughs> Like that thing looks like it goes really fast and far. And so I Googled it and looked it up and they're expensive, but this thing, in, you know, and I, it, it, it can go really fast and really far. And, and, and I mean, it, in the open water, I don't know what kilometers an hour, it can go like a hundred miles an hour in open water with waves. It's amazing. Well, it's long enough that, as it's exiting one wave, the front of it goes into the next wave so that it doesn't bounce. Yeah, yeah. So it literally cuts through multiple waves at once, which makes it feel like it's level as you're okay. shooting through the top of waves. I'm like, that is unbelievable. And when I looked at that, I said, how long does it take to make a rowboat? I was like, not that long. I mean, I was in Thailand where people strapped together, you know, 10 shoots of bamboo, jumped on it with a bamboo stick, and we called it a rowboat and went down a river. I'm like, well, that didn't take long versus how long does it take to build one of these things? And I was like, well, if you build it by hand by yourself, it takes a really long time. But I Googled it and most of these things have a group of people that construct them together. Yeah. And I was like, ah, when a team gets together and builds a machine like that. And then I thought about it. How much effort does it take for that boat to go far and fast? Well, I watched the driver. He put in about this much effort. Hmm. It like he pushed his wrist forward 
and that thing was going 60 miles an hour in open water. I was like, holy Moses. Versus you watch the rower. I mean, I don't even think a rowboat can get up to 60 miles an hour down river on a steep river. Like, I don't even know how that works. And so I thought about it. And as I, as I thought through that, I said, that's kind of like most businesses. We all start off in a rowboat. If we started ourselves as a founder, we row as hard as we possibly can. We, we pick up some friends and neighbors and family if we're lucky and they like us and, and we get a, a dragon boat of people all rowing together. And at some point, we have to put an engine on it. Otherwise, we'll exhaust ourselves. And that engine is people, processes, and measurements. And as we put the engine on, we start off with a pontoon boat where it's cozy and it's working. Um, in all my research and business and all the education and courses I've taken on this stuff and, and experience, a lot of people settle for that pontoon boat because it's cozy and it's good enough. It pays the bills. That's your life, lifestyle business. Yeah, yeah it's good enough. Yeah. It pays the bills. It's super cozy. It's good enough. Don't break it. I don't want to screw this thing up. You know, it, it, I only have to work so many hours a week. Yeah. Team's pretty good. Everyone's pretty good. It's always pretty good. Hmm. Um, I remember I asked a woman one time, how's your relationship going? And she went, it's good. <laughs> And there hasn't been a woman I've met yet that doesn't laugh with that statement because every woman on earth knows. Men might not know what that means. Oh, God, no. But women knows what that means. Yeah. And it's good in that inflection. That's not good. Something's yeah. wrong. And I don't want to talk about it. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> and so I found the same description applies to business owners at this level. How's your business? It's good. I go, oh, because they know it's not what it could be. But they also, like you said, don't want to talk about it. They don't want to screw this up. It's 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 good enough. They don't it, want to go back to the rowing boats. Mm -hmm. yeah. They rowed hard and heavy, and they have no interest. And so the fear of screwing it up prevents them from taking the leap that gets them to, we call it a true ownership level, where you've got a high-performance team. Like, it is working. And so the layers of true ownership for us, and this is where you're an exhilarated owner, because what clicks is very different. I always looked at, going back to basketball, the Golden State Warriors. The owner of the team has to be exhilarated when their team is in the playoffs. But they're not in the marketing department trying to sell more ads. They're not on the court trying to dribble the ball. They're not running around at the ticket booth trying to sell more tickets and seats. They own it. They have a general manager for the team. They have some great players they've recruited. They have a head of sales and a head of marketing. And it sounds huge, but I have a friend of mine who ran a business that was bringing in about $10 million a year turnover, and he only had two people oh, wow. on his whole team. And wow. so it's not about the amount of people. It's the quality of the training and the quality of, of their performance. And so you can actually run a really, really amazing and dynamic business with a small team if you set it up right and you have the right, you know, pieces, the six pieces we've talked about so far. Mm. But you're right in that it is about mindset that gets you from that lifestyle business. Yeah. And it's a big leap, isn't it? I heard a story the other day about um, somebody who's got a friend who's got a business um, that was turning over when lockdown hit, he was turning over something like seven or eight million a year. Um, and he was actually selling PPE. And within three months, he had uh, turned over 78 million pounds wow. in three months. And basically, he just went out, he hired a massive jet of Virgin, and he went out and he just got a load of stuff and he came out. So he's the one that made that happen, isn't he? I mean, circumstance helped him, but he's the it was his mindset that made that happen. Totally. I mean, you can do the right thing at the wrong time. If, if someone 22 months from now in the future did the same thing he did, they might not get the same result. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if someone at the same time hesitated and went, I'm not sure, what shall I do? I'm not sure. Yeah. And then just miss, misses the boat, as they say. That's right. Yeah. I had a family member tell me we were eating frozen yogurt one time and he says, you know, I came up with this idea. Wow. That's a good invention you came up with. Why didn't why why didn't you take it to market? And they're like, oh, you know, I just didn't. No, no, no. And it <laughs> away. And I'm like, don't they? Like ideas hit a certain <laughs> amount of people all at the same time, but only like a fraction of those people take that take that idea and do anything with it. They just don't. Right. They just don't. My don't mom always to. told me that. 
um, mm. before she passed away, she always told me, she said exactly what you just said, which is fun. Anytime there's an idea, the universe drops it in a bunch of people all at once and only a few are brave enough to do something with it. And those brave few are the ones who, some of which will craft into society this new way of doing something and bring it to life. She always told me, she said, be one of the people who's brave enough to try when you, when you catch a good idea and know. Even though other people around you are laughing at you and like, what are you, what are you even doing? Like when you've went, like there's so many times in, in your life, you, you're doing something and like you say, you probably are in that boat, that nice pontoon boat, as you call it. And then you go, I'm not going to stay in this boat anymore. I'm going to go and do that. And yeah. people around you go, are you insane? Like you've got your comfortable pontoon boat right there. Why would you ever want to leave and go and, and, do that other thing. The element that happens is exactly what you're saying, where there's an elevation and it happens naturally. And some people honestly are very comfortable in a pontoon boat. They'll stay in it their whole life. And that's exactly what they wanted. And so the, the final piece we help people do is we have, you know, lead acquisition, lead conversion, max capacity, people, processes, and measurements. And there's one final piece. And I always say this takes you from peewee to professional you know, from, from starting to what's possible. And it, it has to do with something I always term, I heard someone say it one time and I wrote it down and I've used it ever since. And it's the concept of having a North star, meaning what, what, why are you really doing this? Where are you really going? And if you imagine using a North star as a guiding light in your, in your business, it's not about reaching the North star, it's about striving to always move towards the North Star in your, throughout your business journey. It's having something worthy of, Olaf gave me this, something worth melting for, yeah. <laughs> something worth striving after, some, a worthy ideal. That's something, another way to say this, I've heard it, is your second mountain. The first mountain oftentimes is about consuming what we can get. Yeah. Something at some point knocks us off that first mountain Noxus, in, oh, I'm going to need you guys' help on this. Can you make a sound effect for me? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say it, and then you're going to go, dum, 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 just, okay. just for effect. So all the podcast listeners can go, ooh. Ready? <laughs> so it knocks us into the valley of despair. Oh, my God. They got the full effect on this show. There we go. They got it. So the valley of despair, we lose ourselves in that moment because we're not sure where to go. We're lost. People call that the midlife crisis or the gap that exists, but it, yeah. it, it's really where we've consumed enough and it never filled the void that was inside of us. And something inside of us says, maybe life isn't about consuming. Maybe life is about being consumed. Where can I find a community where what I do matters? Where all of a sudden I feel like I am enough, I have enough and I'm loved enough where all of a sudden the foundation of my soul feels valued in who I am. And it's a place where we belong instead of a place where we're trying to, fitting, to fit in, someone said. I heard that. Fitting in is when you change yourself to try to be accepted. Where you belong is where you're your most natural self and you belong there. Absolutely. And everyone accepts you for who you are. And there's some element of those shades that unravel, that onion kind of peels back in that process. And we discover a second mountain. And a second mountain is where we can be consumed, where our, we offer value to the world and people consume it and love it and are grateful for it and cherish it and honor it. And all of a sudden, that's where that North Star lines up. And we go, ah, that's my worthy ideal. When I can move towards something that I can be consumed every day. When you're consumed, it's kind of like falling in love with life. You disappear, time disappear, nothing mm -hmm. else matters. Just days vanish. You're like, wow, where mm -hmm. did the day go? And not in a, like an exhausted way, but a, but an impactful way where you're fully yeah. immersed. And that's where success, whatever that looks like for you, just follows, doesn't it? Because you're following your passion. Well, success changes. I talked mm -hmm. to a client of mine who built a... Um, it's a huge controversy right now because of 5G, but they build uh, towers for um, cell phone towers. They, they buy the land, build the tower, rent space out to the cell phone providers. It's a great business. He sold uh, you know, a few towers years ago and made $5 million. And he did everything a young guy with $5 million would do. Fancy car, cool house, trips, girls, fun, mm -hmm. Everything they could happy memories. 
but it's consuming. Mm. And I talked to him recently. He just went through a stomach cancer surgery. And he said, I'm building a new business. And I said, what is the real purpose? What's your North Star in this business? And he says, with so much turmoil, there's tension in the United States around uh, lots of stuff. But, uh, you know, race uh, is something that, that's gone on recently where um, the color of your skin is making a difference in who you are and, and how you're judged right now here. And so he says, you know what? Because of all this that's happened, there's been a massive backlash against the police because there, there's, you know, some, some people who need to be weeded out and kicked out. And, and there's a backlash against all of them. And we have friends and family who are police officers and, and they're retiring because just because you put on a uniform could literally get you shot right now. Yeah. Someone sees you walking down the street in a uniform and has the, the, the frustration with what's going on to pull out a pistol and just shoot a cop in the face because they're just wearing a police uniform. Not mm-hmm. who they are, not what they've done, not that they're a human, nothing. Just you have the uniform on, that means you represent them, boom, shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said there's so many police retiring right now and and they don't have a ton of money. They might have a little pension or something, but they don't have a real you know, livelihood to take care of themselves financially. He said they, these people have put their life on the line to protect us. If we dial 911 at 2 in the morning, they're the one who shows up and stands there to help us figure out what's going on. You know, if someone tries to attack us and we call the number, they're the one who comes and fight for us without even knowing who we are. Like these people are willing to risk their lives to save ours in some way. And there's some that need to get weeded out, but there's a bunch that are great people. Yeah. For very little money as well. They don't earn big money. They don't earn a ton of money. And, and he says, you know, the reason I'm starting this business is I want to figure out how much it would take for every one of those retirees to have a great life just just the minimum it would take to have a great life. And I want to produce a business that'll help every single one of them make it happen. And yeah, I said, phenomenal. dude, you're about to be more successful than you've ever been in your entire career. And I know you've had success. You've built and scaled and sold a business before, but you're about to be more successful than you've ever been because you found a second mountain to climb. And feel great about yourself while you do it. It's something you're going to look back on and be incredibly proud of. And it's something, you know, on your deathbed, when you've got five days left to live, you're going to look back and go, wow, how cool was that? And you're going to have all those people show up and give you the five star salute kind of thing as a thank you for helping them when they needed it. Yeah. And so there's something special that happens in that transition when you find that North Star and you align it for a second mountain. We try not to work with businesses who are solely focused on their first mountain. Mm. It's another criteria we vet for. If it's only about them and their pocketbook, they tend not to be a good fit for us. Things we measure, leads, revenue, which turnover in the UK. So leads, turnover, profitability, free days, and impact. Impact is our fifth one. If they don't have a clear impact of how them making more money actually helps in some way, they're not a good fit for us. So I imagine you must um, say no to new clients as often as you say yes. Yeah, if I say no to a lot of people. It's yeah. just not the right fit. And we found you know, when you they're a people. better fit in other places. I mean, yeah. there, are, there are millions of coaches and business mentors and all kinds well, of Well, that's people. the trouble, isn't it? Anyone and, can say it. Well, the good news is they're out there. So that's great news for us because we don't have to work with everybody and we know they'll still get helped somewhere. If, if someone shows up and, and there's a pretty typical easy one, if they're a 22-year-old, some reason they seem to all be male, 22-year-old male whose number one goal is to become a billionaire so that they can prove to the world who they are. <laughs> yeah. All these no. things are huge red flags. It's no, mm. no, 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 no. Have you ever mm. met them? You know, when you meet those people, because we actually, Anita and I, we, we met someone like this, didn't we? That he had had that success really early on. We happened to bump into him. At, um, we, were, we were doing a live somewhere, weren't we? We bumped into that guy. And he'd obviously got that early success and then he'd never found that second thing. So it's just lost completely lost because he'd got all that money got and all he was doing was this which was really weird it was like bragging about the money that he's got and whatever and we we were a bit like sitting in a nice hotel midweek on his own quite drunk come up to travel to do like a trap day in his fancy porsche or whatever it was and so just like leapt on us to have a drink with him because obviously you know bored and lonely 
much going on. And like we, like he was trying to impress us with all the probably things that uh, usually impress women. But we was, but he chose the wrong people. <laughs> we were just laughing of him, weren't we? Uh, but it, it was actually quite sad because it would be nice to know that he could stumble into something and all of a sudden get passion and want to... A purpose. A purpose, yeah, something to follow, something to do because he did just look really lost. Like, oh, mm. he's doing this thing because everybody says it's a cool thing to go and do this at this place and stay in this, you know, really nice hotel and, you know, drink all these drinks. But he was just lost. He was really lost. And it's a shame when people don't get that second chance or second mountain, as you, as you say there. Who you speak about here is like, they're our, um, you know, our best clients, ideal clients, whatever you like. Because we work with a lot of people that are like, they've already had a great corporate career or they've done, they've been successful in whatever it was that they do. Not, more often than not, I mean, we work with men and women, but more often than not, they end up, they're women and they, usually their kids are a little bit older now, so they're doing their own thing and they've had enough, they don't want to be do that corporate stuff anymore. And then they they switch and they do their passion, which is great. So they might want to now be a photographer or they might want to be something random like cake baking or whatever it may be. But just trying to get to, to that pontoon business, to use your analogy, yeah. um, you know, they, they maybe it's a second career for them or, or what have you, their children are grown up or what have you. And they, you know, it's a lifestyle business where they make enough money to work not that long hours, spend time doing their hobbies um, and actually have a passion for what they do and helping people. And it's you know, a great thing to do, isn't it? It's very cool. So I just want to interrupt for one minute and tell you about our fantastic new mini programme that we've developed, Hot Off The Press, based on the fact that everybody keeps asking us for help using email. Um, and if you are just relying on social media to get new clients, then you're missing a trick because you don't own it. You don't own Facebook or LinkedIn. They can, you know, take your take your profile down. They can take their platform down, whatever. You need to be using email. Um, and lots of people are like, where on earth do I start? So we've got a five-day mini program that will not only help you get started, but it'll set you off on the right road. It covers the tech side. It covers building your audience, growing your list. It covers um, what on earth to write to people. It even gives you... Um, swipe files that you can just use for nurture sequences, cell sequences um, and it also covers a Q&A so you can then get to the end of it and go actually I need a bit of further help on this so if you're interested in that there'll be a link in the show notes, click on that um, and come join us I have a friend of mine he gave me a challenge, he's a podcast host, he's one of the top guys but he showed me some numbers and I said well you know, what we were, what we, I gave him our little chart, leads, revenue, profitability, free days. He didn't, he does impact, but it wasn't measured on his scale. So when I looked at his scale, he was at 98% profitability, Wow, which made me choke. I was like, <coughs> did you put the decibel in the wrong place? He's like, no, yeah. that's accurate. And I was like, you gotta be shitting me. The free day, what I looked at next, he had 22 free days out of 30 days of the month. Right. Now, a free, day, a free day means do not pick up the phone, do not answer emails, do not check emails, do not even think about the business. He had 22 of these days. I almost passed out. You know, it's like, turnover? It, I it think was... it was 435,000 for that month. So it's <laughs> like, for me, it was like spotting a unicorn, a rare <laughs> thing that supposedly doesn't exist. And I like passed out. I was like, okay, I'm back. Is that real? Can someone tell me what yeah. I saw? Was that true? And he's like, yeah. He's like, no, no, granted, that was a really good month. And excuse language, I was like, no <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> I was like, I know, I know many business owners with all different shapes and sizes. We're on a board with 15 other business owners. There's a business that's 150 million a year in turnover. But my friend who was doing 95% profit is almost at the same level of profit without needing 150 million in sales. And I was like, man, I know a lot of people who would trade you businesses that fast because yeah. of how well you're running this. And, and that comes down people processes and measurements. And I, when I looked at it, it's exactly what you said. I mean, he, he has an extreme version. He's one of the best I've seen in a small micro team environment. He's a very small team with a high revenue for most people. That's enough revenue. You know what he's making there, 400,000 plus a month. Um, and, and the profitability is insane. I have another friend who is doing 20 million a year at 80% profit. And I was like, wow. wow, he had 86 people on his team 
which most people, when I, we analyzed his business, they're like, honestly, he could probably do that with 40 people. He mm -hmm. just has a rule that everyone on his team can never operate below 80% of their best self. So he hires more people than needed so that everyone gets to stay at their best self all the time. And if you love your job, you'll work hard at it. If you're overworked and underpaid. Yes. But he doesn't want people to burn down. No. Nope. And same thing with his family. He's married. They have one child and two nannies. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, now you're starting to cross lines. Two nannies, like you're pissing off moms around the world by saying stuff like this. Why, why mm. two nannies? Mm. And he's like, because I don't want anyone with our child who's below 80%. Yeah. I, I want, if they get, start to get near the edge of 80%, I need them to raise up a flag and say, hey, my energy is low. My mind's not clear. And the other person takes over. And, yeah. and he's like, I need people at their best. And so his philosophy is, how do you keep your team at their absolute best and the max they can drop is 20% off their best. And then he has other people helping. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's amazing. That's a totally different philosophy. And he was still able to run a $20 million business at 80% profitability with that philosophy, which was yeah, inspiring I, to me. I read a study from someone, I can't even, I can't remember the details, unfortunately, but it was some man running a business and he decided, it was quite a successful business, but he decided to give everyone who worked for him like an extra like £30,000 a year above, you know, what they should have. And everyone went, you're a fool, you're going to lose all your money and everything. And actually the business got more successful and made more money um, from doing that. And obviously he kept all of the best staff. So yep. yeah, it was an interesting study. It's amazing. And it's mm. amazing what happens when people do that. Um, find top talent and take care of them. Yeah. Like there's a yeah. reason LeBron James gets paid whatever in the world he gets paid because <laughs> he's top talent. He produces a show, he entertains the audience, and he's a hell of a player as far as the basketball is concerned. And because of those things, you know, they, they take extremely good care of him. They do not want him leaving. Um, and the crazy part is every couple of years, he has the ability to go almost anywhere. And every yeah. team's like, yeah, hello, over here. Mm -hmm. And, and obviously it takes more than one key player. That's a good lesson too. Cause some people are like, well, if I could just recruit LeBron, my whole organization would boom. And it's like, well, he might be able to score points and get you new clients, but if you can't keep them, your business isn't going to grow anyways. Yeah. And, and so and it takes a few really talented people usually to move that business forward. And in business, there is money out there. So, you know, if you can make it, share it around, don't keep it off yourself, share it, let everybody make good money and then there's more money to be made. So it cycles upwards, doesn't it? Totally. And that question mm -hmm. of what business would you have to build that it would be insane not to hire that person? And if you can put yeah. the structure together, that's why I like, if you can sort, if you can find the top talent, which is kind of hard, um, you know, but, but if you do the homework, I, I have a friend of mine's company who they went in their industry and they combed through every other, they shopped every other company that does what they do. And they found out just talking, people talk, they say stuff. If you talk to them enough times, they'll kind of just spill the beans. And they found out who the top people were and what kind of numbers they were doing at different companies. They found the top person at another similar company and they put together a recruitment package and recruited him over. And this person for their company does $4 million plus per year in sales by himself, only working four days a week, only working half days. It's phenomenal what some people do and can achieve, isn't it? It's amazing. And, mm. and no one else on the team can produce those results, but somehow this human can produce 4 million in sales, working four days a week, half days, 9 a.m. till noon. Yeah. Like not even a half day, it's three hours. But he has the discipline that if he's off, he stay. He doesn't just leave. I mean, he, he can hit his goal in three hours a day, four days a week. And as soon as the mm. goal is hit, he goes home. Yeah. And he's like, ah, I'm done. And it's amazing. And, and watching people like that, they, they recruited him. They didn't just, you know, hire someone local and hope they're great. Yeah. Like, you I get lucky you. every now and then, but, you know, with your background in recruitment, if you can find top talent, the tricky part, though, is sourcing them because it's kind of hard to find out what people are really doing. And you're, you're right, though. Everyone talks. So if you if you can get in conversations with people, you you can find where they are. Because obviously, when I did recruitment, um, I was in recruitment for seventeen years. So it was before LinkedIn when I started in recruitment. So you had to talk to people to yep. find out who did these jobs where and who was the best, and you know actually then 
you know, stalk them down, headhunt them and get them, you know, entice them across. But that's how you had to do it. And and even within recruitment itself, there's those people that are literally like, how on earth are they placing so many more people? It's, you know, it's just a job where you find people jobs, but some people excel at it and some people don't. The other part with that is some what you're saying. Some people excel, some people don't. You said something earlier that's so critical. When you're looking for the right people, looking for them in a crazy chaotic rush is usually a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> but that's usually when people start looking. My plate's overflowing. I can't do this myself. I need help. <laughs> Me and Anita, that's this, isn't it? <laughs> that you'll do mentality. You're better than nothing mentality. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's how you get the person who lives down the street who looks like yeah. they could shoot the basketball. So shoot, get them on the team real quick. Yeah. They've Instead got their own of, trainers, so get them in. <laughs> if you can get to your max capacity and then slow down and say, okay, I'm I'm good for right now. I'm I'm not at what's possible. I've got a long ways I can still go, but I've got my pontoon boat. I'm comfortable. Now I'm going to slowly recruit top talent. And because things are good enough, it gives you time to think and sort and wait and find. And you have to switch the mentality because what gets you from the ground to the pontoon boat is focus, dedicated, consistent effort and go, 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 go. What gets you above that next line is almost the opposite. Yeah, It's going really slow, doing only the most important thing and doing it really slow and well. And when you make those little adjustments, eventually when you put enough of them in the right order, it unlocks like the safe, it clicks, the door opens and that thing goes. Because you've slowly recruited the right people, you've trained them unbelievably well, you've put the right processes in place, you've tested it, you've made, you've manicured it, you made sure it's ready to go. Now you turn that machine on, you press down on your wrist, and you're going 100 miles an hour faster than you've ever gone. And but that's it's- also a mindset shift, isn't it? Because we kind of all taught in society that to be more successful, you've got to work harder. And actually to change your mind and go, I want to work less, but be more successful. You always have like to get rid of the guilt of that, don't you? Yeah. I had a family member who built the business. It was doing extraordinarily well. Um, And I remember a few years ago, I talked to him and he said, I haven't physically been in the office in over a year and a half. I went, what? Why not? Like, what happened? Is everything like, is the company still working? And they're like, yeah, we're more profitable. We're growing faster than we've ever grown. We're doing more than we've ever done. I mean, he's like, he's, he's, the person's been on important phone calls, but they haven't physically been in the office running things for over a year and a half. Yeah. And everything was running better than when that person was there. Sometimes it is better when they're out of the way meddling, like, because you can't help. This is your thing. You, you're in there, you're going, oh, I'll just do this and we'll try this. And sometimes right. your staff want you to go. Yeah, <laughs> go home. That's, <laughs> how you, that's yeah. what happens when you cross the line. Yeah, It's actually better without you meddling with it. Yeah, it's better when the owner kind of moves out of the way because you have the right people doing the right things and it's measured and working and holy smokes, it's actually better with you out of the way. So this thing can really go. One of the questions we always ask everybody is to recommend a book um, for people listening. So for business, I'm going to throw my favorite business book and I'm sad um, because he just had a discussion with us. We're in one of his groups and he says, listen, I'm melting. And I was like, some people are worth melting for. Keep going. <laughs> and he's like, no. So he's, he, he has, I think next year, he said he's doing only one more of each of his main events, and then they're done. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, breaks my heart. So I'm obviously attending all of them <laughs> and sitting in front, taking as many notes as I can, as much as he'll give me a chance to. Um, but the book is called The Road Less Stupid. Okay. And it's notes from the board, board chairman of the board. It, this is a friend of mine and a mentor of mine who's been buying and selling businesses and growing them for over 40 years. And he taught me most everything. I've been studying with him for about six years now. I've known him for probably 12. And, and I've been heavily studying with him for about six years. And he dynamically transformed the way I do business, the way I think about business and how we run our business. Um, we've been on his, his highest level group we could get in with him on. And, you know, two years ago when we started, we grew 42% in one year. 
his name is Keith Cunningham. I will have a read of that myself as well. It sounds interesting. Yeah, he transformed. The good thing about having this podcast, we ask people for uh, recommendations and then we're like, oh, I don't know. And then me and her, we like, listen to them at the same time on audio. Like she goes and runs and walks. Did the you dog. get to this bit? Oh, did you get to that bit? Yeah. He just turned 70. Uh, oh, wow. a month or so ago. He also cashed out a handful of his businesses. So this is my favorite part. He owns a bunch of businesses. He doesn't just teach business and make money off of it. Like he literally owns other businesses. I don't know, seven, eight, nine. He cashed it out for over nine figures. Wow. wow. He sold a handful of his businesses last year. So 70 years old, he put nine figures cash in the bank. That's nice, isn't it? And then another thing we always ask people when they come on is, because um, we're called the Get Savvy Club, we just ask the question in business, what makes you savvy? Um, this is interesting. I think it's the philosophy. I was on a, a, a conference one time. It was a leadership conference at Harvard University. And they put me on a panel. And the guy sitting to my right was a much older, distinguished gentleman who happened to be the the... Um, tenured professor of Harvard University who teaches the course on leadership. Oh. I was like, wow. oh, God. okay. <laughs> so there's that guy to my right. The gentleman right. to my left was a chief master sergeant in the United States Air Force who was overseeing 1,500 troop members in running the National Sec- Cybersecurity Force. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. How did I get put in the middle between these two? <laughs> and they hand, you know, they read the biography of the gentleman to my right. Professor so-and-so has been a longtime Harvard tenure professor on leadership. He's written four books on the subject, all New York Times bestsellers, blah, blah, blah. They kept going. I'm like, Jesus. And they get to me and the lady hands me the microphone and says, can you introduce yourself? Oh, God. <laughs> and I looked at her like, thanks a lot. <laughs> And I was like, okay, um, I could tell you random things I've accomplished. I don't think that serves anyone here. I mean, it'll make me sound cool, but I don't think it'll help anyone here at all. I think leadership to me is the philosophy we run our business by, which is learn it, live it, give it. Um, It's a constant hunger for finding out what's possible. It's a deep dedication to, to application measurement and finding true proof of what works and then it, it's a yearning and excitement, a passion for turning around and helping others figure it out as well. And I said, so I guess why I'm here is I love to learn. Um, I'm, I'm a scientist at heart. I like to test stuff and find out what really works. And when I find it, I make it one of my life's mission to find a way to share it with other people and make sure they know what works and how quickly they can apply it. And I handed it to the gentleman on my right. Of course, they read an amazing bio of how he saved the world seven times over. And then, he, you know, they asked him, what do you think leadership is? And he, he, older men have the ability to give a young man a leg up every now and then in life, yeah. or they could just destroy him, one or the other. <laughs> and at this moment, this guy gave me a leg up. He turned and he says, I think the young man to my right had one of the best definitions I've ever heard. I'm going to concur with him. Oh, wow. Yeah, very generous of him. I went, he let me in the club. Yeah. That was very (laughs) nice of him. He didn't need to do that. He could have just whacked me if he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, But he was You do find you saying that, like, through life, you have those moments, don't you, those people that just come along and you can never repay them. A lot of people that have you along, they'll never... Then they know that when they help you or whatever, and you just know that you can never... You then do it for someone else. Yeah, and then you do it. That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah. And that that moment was a little magic moment where he gave me a shot. Thank you so, so much for being on. Where can our listeners um, find you? If you like, where's the best best place to search for you? Uh, probably Instagram. Thank you so much for being on. Um, everybody go go um, check out the Instagram account. It's probably the easiest way to get in contact with you. And hopefully, well, hopefully we'll see you in Austin, Texas when the world gets moving again and we can come to uh, see Keith Cunningham with you. All right. See really you. interesting interview. Thank you so much. Thank, thank, you, thank you. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. So that was a brilliant, brilliant podcast episode there with Jarek Robbins. Really, really great. You guys do not know what hoops we had to jump to get him on. It's not like you can't just like 
voice note him and say, hey, do you want to come on our podcast? You have to go through his team. You have to literally prove. I had to send references um, as well. Like you had to do a lot. Do you know what he said? He said he really enjoyed it and we're really great at it. So what, and also invited us to our, uh, to the online event that he's doing. So you can't say fairer than that. And we said we'll be about 45 minutes and he said, great. We were actually an hour and a half chatting to him, weren't we? Yeah. Um, and he really much loved it. So, yeah, um, and he's given us from yeah and then at the end um he was also giving us a bit of advice wasn't he when when we stopped recording so he was helping us and different things that we could do and saying we can go along to his event so yeah brilliant brilliant podcast so don't forget um you can rate and review this podcast subscribe give it five stars that'd be absolutely fantastic and right now we are you may be listening to this really like years in ahead or whatever so might be too late but if you're um listening to this and it's around october 2020 which is about the time that we recorded it you can actually get from us our email made easy program which is an online program which will help you set up your email list so if you've always thought about getting around to starting your email and creating a list so that you could build your audience and obviously get a whole huge bunch of people to be speaking to on a regular basis to become clients and customers then this is what you need um we literally go through everything who you who you want to be um, targeting, lead magnets, building up the audience, what to say to these people when you've got them in their platforms. And we make it as non-techy as we possibly can. We get our tech genius people in, but we make it as tech friendly as possible. So and it's only that. a five day mini course. So yeah, five day. Throughout the week, you'll be sorted. Yeah. So literally you can whiz through that. And then in 2021, you will have an email list to be proud of. Every entrepreneur needs an email list. And so do you. See you all soon. Oh, don't, uh, don't forget about uh, Get Savvy Quickie. That'll be out on Thursday. Look out for that. Look out for that too. Brilliant. See you all soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.